Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of Mark's Side of the Ring. I am your host, Miguel Minetti, alongside my co-host for the week, not Nick Fiorentino, but instead my buddy Fred DeCourt. Fred, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing great, Miguel. I'm excited to be on the show. I was uh, a guest one time, but to be a co-host this week, I'm very excited. Yeah, filling in. We're happy to have you, man. Filling in for Nick this week. Uh, he had some vacation going on, so I got my good buddy Fred here, who's also an avid wrestling fan, a huge supporter of the show. So I figured, who better than Fred to come jump on on here today and talk about all things wrestling? So I'm excited for you, uh, Fred. I'm excited for today's show. I'm sure you are as well. Talking oh, sure. all, yeah, we're talking all things Hell in the Cell. Coming off uh, a hot SmackDown last night and this past Monday Night Raw that aired. Uh, Hell in the Cell does air tomorrow, and today what we're going to do, of course, tradition like every pay-per-view, we're going to go through our predictions for the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. So I'm ready to roll. Fred, are you ready to roll? I'm ready to go. Let's go to hell. Love it. Love it. All right, so let's jump right on into things. We're going to start with uh, the Jeff Hardy versus Elias match. So to kind of give a quick little background, uh, this is a feud that's actually been stemming since over the summer when... Uh, Elias was taken out by Jeff Hardy when Hardy had accused, I believe, Elias as being the guy to run him over with a car. So uh, they both ended up due to the draft on Monday Night Raw. So this feud has sp uh, spilled over from Friday Night SmackDown over the summer to now going to Monday Night Raw, uh, which this past Monday we saw an Elias have a, kind of a concert. Uh, Jeff Hardy ended up interrupting it, beating the hell out of Elias with his guitar. And lo and behold, of course, we have our match at Hound the Cell. So, Fred, of course, you as the guest, I'll kick off every match with your predictions. Give me who you got and kind of tell me why you think who's going to win this match. I think um, as much as I would like to see Jeff get the win, I'm a huge Jeff Hardy fan. I do think Elias is going to get the win. I think they're really going to try and give him a big push. He's just coming back from being out for a while. Um, he's got the album coming out on Monday. So I, I think he's going to get the win. I think it's going to be a good match, though, for both guys. I'm looking forward to it. I liked how they, um, they went back, you know, to something that people may have forgotten that even happened over the summer. You know, I think people just remember that angle with Jeff, with Sheamus. You know, they forgot the Elias part of that. Right. Um, so it was cool that, you know, sometimes WWE, you know, they'll, they'll ignore things that happen, you know, and like act like nothing happened. This, they went back to something that legit happened, and they built on that. So I thought it was really cool, and I'm looking for a nice little addition to the card. Um, both guys are great performers. So I think Elias, though, is going to go with that. I'm going to walk with Elias on this one. What did you think of the concert on Monday? Did you think at first it was going to be like uh, uh, just kind of like making fun of things like he normally did, or did you expect a full-blown-out concert? No, I expected it to be an angle. Like, I mean, yes, it did turn in with Jeff, but I didn't expect him to actually sing, and that's the thing with Elias. Like, it's not like when 3MB – used to do their concerts and they didn't really sing or play instruments. He's a legit musician. He can play the guitar. He can sing. Um, his last album that he had a couple of years ago, the songs were good, but they were all like spoofs, like talking about how great he is and how terrible other people are, like things like that. But he still was talented. I'm thinking this album um, coming out on Monday is going to be more legit. Like the lyrics will be like regular songs. But I, I was surprised, though, that they did an actual concert. I loved it. Um, like I said, he's a talented musician and singer. And it was cool. It's cool how they're bringing in his real-life um, abilities into the wrestling world. You know, they made an angle out of it. But, yeah, it was cool that they did that, you know. Um, I think Elias is a great performer in the ring. And then you add 
the whole ability to play music. It just makes him a, you know, five-star player. Yeah, I would agree with you that he's definitely versatile in the ring, obviously given the fact as well, too, with his music career when he's able to do outside the ring. What I don't like about the whole Elias thing, and it's not really, I would say, maybe his fault, but he's kind of been a roller coaster, right? So he's had some highs, he's had some lows. You know, they haven't been consistent with this character. So now to kind of just kind of dump him right on into the pay-per-view, right? I mean, the guy hasn't been on pay-per-view since, what, Money in the Bank maybe, if that? Yeah, I don't even, to be honest, I don't know. He the ma- he had a match at Mania, or the, the match, I forget, Some he fell off that thing that they had at the Performance Center where Gronk jumped off, they had that platform there. For- right. Fell off of that. I don't recall if that was before Mania or after, but he was in a feud with Corbin around Mania time. Um, and he was out for a little while, I think, after that. And then the Jeff thing happened, and he's been out since that. So, yeah, it's been a while. They really did just put him right back into the swing of things, um, which I'm glad for him because, like you said, it's been a roller coaster. There, I mean, look back a couple years ago. He was in the ring with John Cena at WrestleMania two years in a row. Right. Uh, the Undertaker, and you know the funny thing, he just the poor guy. He just did an interview um, the year, so he did the thing with Cena at WrestleMania 34 before Taker faced Cena, right? Then they had the segment the following year in New Jersey when um, Cena came out and he did the rap battle thing against Elias. Right, it was supposed to lead to a match with Cena at this year's WrestleMania. Right, then that got scrapped. So he lost that. And then the year prior, I don't know if you remember, the night after WrestleMania 35, he did the in-ring segment with The Undertaker. Of course. We were there. <laughs> it was amazing. That was my favorite part of WrestleMania weekend. Undertaker's my favorite. So he didn't, uh, he didn't have a match on the card at WrestleMania, but Raw the night after, I was so glad he was there. But that was supposed to lead to a match to the UK, um, not the UK, the uh, Saudi show. Right. And then that got scrapped. So he's had a couple of really big matches that have been taken out from him. Um, so, yeah, and then he's had heel turns and face turns. He got so hot as a heel, they made him baby face, and then that went nowhere. So, yeah, he's had a couple of interesting years. So I hope to see a steady course now um, and him rise, you know, and, and stay at a top, somewhat top level because he's definitely talented enough to, to do it. So I'm going to give my prediction, and I, I actually have Jeff Hardy for this match. And the reason I'm going with Jeff is – I, I know from an experience-wise, Elias should get the win, right? And, and right. if I'm doing WWE booking, I would give Elias the win. But knowing how WWE values Jeff Hardy, right, I mm-hmm. see this guy going back in the WWE Championship or United States Championship title picture uh, within the next few months. So I think this is a great first win for Jeff Hardy to get back on his feet, to kind of show that he still has that charisma, he still has that talent to get to that next level. And just knowing WWE booking, I would say I would want Elias to win. I think Elias deserves the win. I'm on the same page as you, Fred. But right. I think they're going to give the W to Jeff Hardy this time. I, I, I think he beats Elias. I think he beats him straight up with the Swanton Bomb, Twist of Fate, and you know he moves on to maybe his next feud after this. I see this being a one-off match, too. Uh, I mean, you know, what, before we move on, I'll ask you, do you think, they're, you think this will turn into multiple matches, or do you think this is a one-and-done? I can see this as a one-and-done. I can see them moving on from this, just like a quick little feud, tie up the loose ends from – when Elias was taken out um, and then and moving on and both guys into different directions or, you know, they both can be trying to go after the U S championship or something like that. But as far as their feud, um, yeah, I think it's a one and done. I think this will be it Sunday. 
Good, good. Well, so normally Nick and I, we almost have almost the same pick. So I'm excited to see that our first pick was different here uh, as we transition into the next match now, which was just made last night on Friday Night SmackDown. We have uh, Otis is actually going to be defending his Money in the Bank championship, the contract that he won back in May at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view show against The Miz. So this is another interesting feud that's actually been going on. Uh, since the beginning of summer, if I believe, which now has spilled over into two different shows. Because if you remember from the draft, The Miz got drafted to Monday Night Raw. Otis still on Friday Night SmackDown. But last night on SmackDown, we saw Miz and Morrison. Uh, and, and I'll get your thoughts on the uh, on the trial here. But they had a trial where JBL was the the judge, and um, it ended up being long. You know, short. Long story short, ended up being that John Bradshaw Layfield was bribed money to entice the Miz to be able to, or to entice the match that he made, which was Miz getting an opportunity to win the Money in the Bank championship. So uh, I want to get your thoughts on who do you have winning this match, Fred? And what did you think of last night's segment? Um, I think, I think Otis is going to end up getting the win. I think the good guy is going to get, you know, get the win after all that he's been put through by the Miz and Morrison. I think he's finally going to get the victory continue on with the money in the bank briefcase that doesn't mean he's going to necessarily cash it in successfully but i think he's going to hang on to it and as far as the segment last night the law and otis i loved it it was i popped for the biggest the teddy long spot because i what that i mean i know he's friends with jbl and, and uh ron simmons but i wasn't that wasn't even in the back of my mind that he may show up so the fact that he was there and then when jbl turns did you get that like what everything Oscar said. And then he did, he's like, you bet you play it or whatever. He said, I, I loved it. And then Oscar doing the holla, holla, holla. I thought it was phenomenal. Nice little cameo court. Anytime you get uh, Farouk or Ron Simmons on there saying, damn, I don't care how many times you see it. It doesn't get old. When, when he was on every week, a few years ago, he was doing it every week in segments. It never got old. It was always great. So I really love that. Um, I thought it was cool that they brought Mysterio into that because he was involved in the Money in the Bank. He had that epic death shot of him getting thrown off the building kind of thing. Oh, right, right. That's right. Um, and then, uh, like, again, Asuka being involved because she was in the women's. Uh, that was cool. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really well done. It, my first thoughts when it turned out the JBL was the judge brought me back to, like, all the stories you hear about wrestlers' court that used to be a real backstage thing that they did, except Taker would have been the judge. JBL was always the bailiff. Right. And uh, it always led to usually a bottle of Jack Daniels or a case of beer for the for the guy, you know. Um, but that's uh, that was that was a good segment. I thought that was really cool. It was a little out, outside the box. I love those those different things. You know, um, I remember years ago, it was so silly and stupid. But the uh, the little people's court with Hornswoggle and DX. Yeah. Right. I just, you know, like things like that, they just outside the box, breaks up the show a little bit. So bottom line, I loved it. That was great. Good, good. We're glad to hear. So it's interesting. I'm going to give you my, my uh, prediction on this. Again, we're different here because I'm going with the Miz and I'll tell okay. you why. And again, this is just my own thought process here, but knowing how WWE does booking, I think back in May, people were thinking the apocalypse was happening, right? And not that it's certainly much better and we don't have to obviously get into that that's a whole nother can of worms here but i think from a vince mcmahon mentality he said you know what if this is going to be the one year where i go off the rails and i do some crazy ass booking i'm giving the money in the bank contract to otis back in may 
the Thunderdome wasn't even a thought yet, obviously, right? Because it didn't right. start till late August. So if I'm Vince McMahon, I booked myself into a corner in my head saying, you know what, shit, I don't want Otis to be money in the bank a contract holder. I'd rather just give it to someone like Miz. Miz is a former champion. He's a former money in the bank cash holder. He successfully cashed in on Randy Orton a decade ago. Actually, this uh, November, I believe, will be 10 years yep. Cashed in. So if I'm Vince McMahon, not that I don't want Otis to win, but I truly believe Miz takes in Money in the Bank briefcase. Um, the, the, the contract goes to a credible, not that Otis isn't, but in Vince's eyes, a more credible wrestler like the Miz, who's a former world champion. Uh, as far as the um, trial is concerned of what they showed, you know, it, it certainly was hokey. I think we can both agree with that. But sometimes yeah. hokey is good, right? I, I, I yeah. know I have a lot of friends that – they don't like those types of things. They believe it's cartoonish and yeah, it's campy, sure. But I agree with you, Fred. I think it breaks up the show. Uh, of course, I don't want to go too heavy on the campiness in wrestling. I do prefer the, the you know, the meat and potato storylines like Roman Reigns, which we'll get into a little bit later on. But for a harmless combined, what was it? Maybe six, seven minutes. It didn't ruin the show. Uh, they got to the end point, which is getting Miz versus Otis for the Money in the Bank briefcase. Um, I thought GBL was fantastic. Ron Simmons as Bailiff was fantastic. I loved the Teddy Long segment. Asuka was her usual crazy self where you never know what the hell she's saying. Um, Literally. Yeah, we had a Rey Mysterio sighting, like you said, which was pretty cool. But overall, I wouldn't say I'd give it a home run, but I, I certainly like the angle that they did. And I think it served its purpose, at least, which was uh, to get us to that match for Miz versus Otis. What are your thoughts on putting the money in the bank briefcase up on the line. This, I believe is, you know, you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe it's only the second time in history this has happened, right? Um, it's happened a couple of times. I remember a couple of years ago at SummerSlam, uh, Ron Strowman defended it against Kevin Owens. Oh, that's right, yes. And, and then I remember the, the um, also in Brooklyn in 2012 at TLC, the first show ever at the Barclays Center, the main event was Dolph Ziggler putting his on the line against John Cena in a ladder match. That was phenomenal. That was a good one. I forgot about those. I was only thinking of uh, Anderson, Mr. Anderson or Mr. Kennedy versus Edge, right? When Edge oh, yeah, right. I wasn't even going to say that when I forgot. And that, yeah, and then he lost it. That was, um, I was going to, I was remembering back, It's a, it was just 15 years ago, Edge and Matt Hardy when they had their huge feud and Edge had the, the briefcase the first time ever. And he faced Matt Hardy. I don't know if it was a TLC match or it was on the big Raw homecoming um, when they went back to USA Network. All right. He put it on the line there. I think it was it was some ladder match. I don't know if it was TLC. But anyway, I remember that. But yeah, the Mr. Anders or Mr. Kennedy one. Yeah, so I mean, it's been a few times. Um, and like the one time it did change hands. So it could happen. I wouldn't be mad, honestly, if Miz did win it. I, I love Miz. I... Would love to see him back in the main event spot. I thought he was great as champion. I know that main event at WrestleMania years ago was not everybody's favorite, but I don't think that was his fault. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I wouldn't be mad if Miz won. I mean, he is a more, like you said, serious contender to have the briefcase. And I was shocked that Otis won it in the first place. Right. I wasn't mad, but I was shocked that he won it. I didn't see him winning it back in May. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see tomorrow what they do. Yeah, it'll definitely be, I think, a good match either way. Otis can definitely go in the ring. Uh, he surprised me since day one when he joined the WWE, for sure. So. Right. Uh, it, it's interesting to see, though, so far we have two different picks as we move on now to the big yeah. matches, which is, of course, the meat and potatoes of this whole pay-per-view. We got 
three Hell in the Cell matches, which is uh, something they've done, I believe. I researched it. I think it was twice now that it's happened. This will be the third time that they've had three Cell matches. So we're going to kick it off with uh, Sasha versus Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, I know you and I have been texting about this one for the last couple months now, that when they were finally going to go, yeah. It was going to be one hell of a ride. So it's been a hell of a ride so far. We're finally getting to a match. It definitely deserves hell in the cell stipulation in this case. Kick us off with uh, who you got in this one. Is it, Will Bailey def- successfully defend the title or, Sma- or is Sasha becoming the SmackDown Women's Champion? I, th- I think Sasha's going to win and get the belt. But I will say that Bailey winning would really cement her as the dominant force that she's been the last year um i'd like to see sasha get the win i think you know after everything it would make sense but it would also be shocking if bailey did win you know um i mean she's been champion now it's been over a year yeah so but i'm gonna go with sasha on this i i think i mean what better way for this feud to finally happen after all these years and false starts remember a couple years ago they started it and then they got back together um so now it's finally happening, and to have it happen in Hell in a Cell is so poetic. So I'm looking forward to it. I think Sasha's going to get the win in this one. I, I agree with everything you said on this one. I, I picked Sasha to win, but what a tremendous way for Bailey. Like, I agree with you, to cement her legacy as SmackDown Women's Champion. Quite possibly, maybe the most dominant women's champion of all time if she were to successfully defeat Sasha inside Hell in a Cell. Yeah. This, this, yeah, this has been a feud that I've been looking forward to for a very long time. It's five years in the making since their epic takeover match, which I was second row in. That was the day I met you or the weekend I met you. Yes, it was uh, the day, that, that Saturday. It was that day, right. It was the yeah, day yeah. I met you. History Quite- was made on multiple. <laughs> multiple multiple different levels that night. Right. Um, Sasha and Bailey, in my opinion, the greatest women's match of all time in WWE slash NXT history was their takeover match in Brooklyn 1. Yeah, I uh, agree. I'm so looking forward to this match. I can't even tell you. Well, I say it will be the best match of the night. Yes, from a pure wrestling match. You know, I think possibly we'll get into Roman versus Uso being one hell of a spot fest. I think this is certainly going to be the show stealer of the night. Sasha and Bailey are real life best friends. They're closer than sisters probably could be. Uh, They trust each other in the ring tremendously from everything we've read and that we've heard online and, all the dirt sheets and websites say. So I fully expect this match to go 40, 45 minutes to be yeah. one hell of a contest between these two. But as much as I think Bailey would cement herself as, as a true most dominant women's champion of all time in WWE history, I think Sasha Banks gets the win. I'm probably a little biased in this because Sasha is my favorite women's wrestler <laughs> of all time. Uh, so I do want her to win. I don't think you go wrong with either winner here. I think you can make a case that either women could benefit from this W here. I'm just looking forward to how hell of a match this is going to be, how competitive it's going to be. Uh, do you see this match spilling over to the outside at all? Or do, if you're the booker, do you keep this one traditionally inside the cell? You know, it's hard to say. Um, I think out of the three, this may be the one that would, uh, personally. But then again, we'll get to the main event later, but with having uh, Jimmy Uso, that could play into things. So they, they may be one that goes outside, but I could see them going outside. I mean, if not, it will be, I mean, they're going to use the cage a lot, you know, for sure. I actually just, this is Sasha's third time in Hell in a Cell. Yep. Huge. 
um, for a, a woman in Hell in a Cell. Um, the, she was in the first one ever with Charlotte. And then I just rewatched the one with her and Becky last year. And that was a tremendous match. I think people forgot about that, even though it's only been a year. Um, it was a really great match. And they utilized the cage great and kendo sticks and chairs. I think we're going to get that again tomorrow, but tenfold. I, th- I think they're going to beat the hell out of each other. I mean, look at the buildup to the storyline with the chair and the use. And it's, speaking of the use of the chair last night on SmackDown, the way that she forced Bailey to sign that contract while she had her in the chair. I, I mean, it was so well done. Yeah. Doing things that normally they would have never done in a women's angle, even with the women's revolution or divas revolution turned into women's evolution. This has gotten very aggressive. Um, and I think it's, it's great. They're telling a really great story. This, like I said before, this had so many false starts. And then you, you almost thought like, oh, by the time it happens, nobody's going to care anymore. And they're proving everybody wrong that people do care. Absolutely. It was supposed to happen at SummerSlam when it was going to be in Boston originally. That was the rumor. It was rumored to be at WrestleMania, then Boston. It's finally happening. Uh, and I think it was worth the wait for sure. They're going to they're gonna kick the shit out of each other tomorrow night. Would you say this is one of your uh, favorite storylines going on right now in wrestling? Yes. I've loved everything they've done for the past year. The whole, I mean, just how ignorant and annoying they were about when they were together. You know, I thought that, I thought they killed, especially with the PC shows. Right. They were, I thought, one of the highlights every week. And then they were across all the brands. They were on NXT. They were on Raw. They were on SmackDown. And their promo segments every week were great. They would do commentary. They were great. And now it's evolved into this. Um, yeah, I think they're not just this feud, but just everything they've done the past year has been one of the best uh, things that has been going on on the show, on either show. So, so where, if you're the booking, right, if you're the booking committee for this, uh, this rivalry, right, this feud, where do you go from here, right? Because, and, and I'll give my thoughts first, but you got Bailey and Sasha five years in the making inside Hell in the Cell, which is supposed to be the blow-off feud. And we know in today's day to be, sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. But is there, is there a possibility, and would you be all for it, if this, match, if this feud were to continue post-Hell in the Cell? See, this is where I'm torn um, because on one hand, that's one of my contentions about the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view is that the Hell in a Cell match has always been the blow-off, right? The end for a big feud. Or, and with this pay-per-view, depending on no matter where you are in the storylines, October hits, we're having a Hell in a Cell match. So sometimes it works, the, the timing, sometimes it doesn't. With this... It's great that they're having a Hell in a Cell match, but at the same time, there's so much more meat on the bone that they could, you know, do. I hate to see it end, but I also hate that Hell in a Cell wouldn't be the blow-off. So this happened with Charlotte and Sasha a few years ago. They had their Hell in a Cell match, which wasn't their first match, but then they had another match after. It it was, I think, Roadblock. They had the last woman standing or something um, that December. So, like, you know, it can continue. I'd love to see it continue, but I hate when Hell in a Cell doesn't get treated with that, uh, you know, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but it, it should be treated higher where Hell in a Cell is it. 
You know, I think it takes a little bit away from Hell in a Cell when it's not the end. You know, it's almost becoming what the Steel Cage is. The Steel Cage back in the day, years ago, was the blow-off. Right. The big blow-off. Now a Steel Cage match happens, you know, whenever, and it's just another match. So I, I don't want that to happen to Hell in a Cell. It's already, being that they have so many a year now, like, it, you know, they do two, three at the show, and it happens every year. It's already fighting an uphill battle as far as losing its luster. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, they, but they can definitely get more out of it for sure. Yeah. I, I think normally I, I agree with, yeah, normally I agree with you where maybe some of the cell matches every annual October, you're like, all right, it's their first or second time fighting. There's, there's some meat on the bone here, but not a lot left or not a lot to even begin with. So is hell in the cell structure really the appropriate setting for this particular match? But I think this year, Dynamite got it right. I think it just happened to work out that all three cell matches, and we'll talk about the other two in just a moment here, but mm -hmm. for the first time in a while, I think all three cell matches truly deserve that structure, right? And if we're focusing, yeah. on, we're focusing on Bailey and Sasha for just a second as we kind of transition to the next match here, again, this is five years in the making, right? I mean, right. yeah. They, they dominated the PC era where there was no fans and they had the plexiglass around there, right? They were t women's dominant tag team champions. They lost it to Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Bailey turns on her best friend the first week of the uh, Thunderdome era. And over the last month and a half to two months now, they've really been setting the stage for an actual showdown. So I would love this feud to continue, but my prediction and, and I'll get your quick take as we end here, right. And move on to the next segment. But mm -hmm. my prediction is I believe this will be the blow off. I think, I think Sasha wins. I'm going with Sasha winning. She takes okay. out Bailey. Bailey maybe gets into a stretcher and we don't see Bailey for a month or two to kind of cool down the fire here. So, you know, real quick point here as we move on, do you prediction time? Do you believe this is the last match first and only match, or do you believe there's more meat on this one? I think they're going to continue because especially they're both on the same brand. They both got, if one got drafted to one and then, you know, I could see it ending, but I, I think it will continue whether it should or shouldn't because of the hell in a cell. I think it will. Well, it'll be interesting to see. So, so far we have Sasha the same, but the other two <laughs> matches we've picked differently. Uh, let's move on now to the WWE championship match. So again, inside hell in the cell, we have Drew McIntyre defending the WWE championship against Randy Orton. Um, this reminds me, before we even get into predictions, I don't know about you, but I think I've told you this before, but this reminds me of Triple H Batista, right? From 2005. Batista beat Triple H clean three pay-per-views in a row. Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. McIntyre is going on two W's in a row. Could he possibly get that third W? Before I give my take on it, who do you got? You got Randy Orton and you got Drew McIntyre retaining. I'm going with Drew. I think Drew's going to win him. I, th I didn't even think of that and you may have mentioned before but yeah the triple h batista feud um the three clean i mean i remember that that was that was huge when batista got that third win at vengeance in hell in a cell it was huge because everybody thought okay triple h has got to win this one especially in hell in a cell so i think we're yeah i think we're kind of in the same point where people probably think like orton's gonna finally win but i think drew drew's gonna get it three clean Wow. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I actually had the same th thought process as well, too. I think this is an exact replica of Drew McIntyre, or I'm sorry, of Batista versus Triple H. I think McIntyre solidifies himself as one of the most dominant WWE champions over the last, certainly the last decade, by beating a star like Randy Orton, right? A first ballot Hall of Famer like Randy oh, yeah. Orton. 
three pay-per-views in a row. Um, I would say out of the three, and this isn't a knock on their feud, but out of the three, this is probably the one I'm looking forward to the least, just by default, because I'm so invested in the Roman Uso storyline, and of course, Sasha and Bailey storyline. Would you agree with that? That's probably the third of the pecking order for you? Yeah, I would agree. I think, too, a lot of it has to do with um, this feud's been happening for a while now, you know, since SummerSlam. I mean, granted, the other ones have been happening, you know, for a little while, but this one's really been a, a long time, at least in the WWE world, yeah. and this will be their third match. I think um, it's going to be great, but I think it, it's time to end it, you know, again, what better place to end it than in Hell in a Cell? So yeah, this, out of the three, I think this one is definitely going to be the one that has across the board the least uh, anticipation. But that can also give them an advantage because you know people aren't like maybe as invested in that one, and then they could end up still on the show. You never know. Do you think that Orton has maybe lost some of his star power, some of that drive over the last couple months? Yeah, I think Orton, nobody was hotter in WWE going into SummerSlam than Randy Orton. I think the two losses to Drew didn't hurt him, but yeah, he's not where he was. You know what I mean? It's interesting to see how Randy Orton heading into SummerSlam was here, right? And then a week later, you got Roman Reigns. I, as soon yeah. as he lined himself with Paul Heyman, nobody was talking about Randy Orton being the hottest heel in the wrestling business currently. They went to Roman Reigns immediately. Right. That could, yeah, that could be part of it too, even though they're on different brands. Yeah, I mean, he's gotten, well, and rightfully so, all the attention the last couple of months um, as far as being a great heel. So, I, you know, could have they, with Orton, maybe had Orton win at Clash and then have Drew win it back they used to do booking like that all the time years ago i mean the title would change hands almost every pay-per-view right. which i'm not a fan of either um and i could understand wanting to give drew a long uninterrupted title run which i do like uh it's old school and it really puts prestige on the championship and on the champion right um, but maybe this feud could have afforded that you know where orton wins it and then Drew wins it back in Hell in a Cell. And then they end the feud, and Drew continues on as champion, blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, but Orton, I'm curious to see what he does next. Yeah. Who he feuds with next to see if maybe he can get higher up again. You know, get if he was there, now he's here, about, and then get back up. I, You know, we know Orton is capable of being, you know, as good as he wants to be, right? So when he wants to be. So we'll see. I I think it's interesting to see, right, to your point, because I truly believe, and I think you're on the same page as me, I think we're getting to a Randy Orton versus Edge rematch at WrestleMania next year. Yes. They owe one to the fans. It it makes perfect sense storyline-wise. The Edge is recovering with with an injury right now to will definitely, hopefully, be cleared by April for WrestleMania or late March. But right. now you have this small gap. So if you have to end this feud, which you do have to end this feud, you can't keep this one running. Orton needs something to do from pretty much November 1st till at least the Royal Rumble, right? So maybe yeah. you, put, you put a feud in between here, but it'd be interesting to see 
who takes on Orton. And in my opinion, Orton has to win this next feud because I'm going with Drew McIntyre to retain as well too. Uh, right. And I think I, I kind of gave my reasons why, right? I totally see this as solidifying him as one of the best day to be champions of at least the 2010 to 20 era, right? In the last decade or so you beat sure. a star like Randy Orton three times in a row. So you're doing right by Drew McIntyre or in, to your point a minute ago, you said it doesn't matter if he takes the loss. He's never going to be hurt at this point unless he loses to someone like, I don't know, R-Truth maybe. But <laughs> besides that happening, though, to me, Randy Orton has to move on to this next feud and he has to dominate this next feud before Edge returns. To build himself up for Edge. Yeah, I agree. Now, I, I'm curious to see who he may feud with. I mean, I think they could go back to him and Keith Lee. They had a little thing. You know, they had the match at Payback. Um, they had a couple matches on Raw. I think they could definitely go back to that. But again, then, that doesn't help Orton now because you know Keith, and rightfully so, should be going over. They're trying to build Keith Lee up. But to that point, is that Orton's role now? Has he gotten to that point where now his role is to just put over the younger stars? Not meaning in a jobber sense, but um, be maybe dominant in the feuds, but then when it comes to the match time, he'll get a win maybe here or there. But majority to put the guy over to really build them because when you beat Orton you're making a name for yourself I think that has kind of become what his role is I think that's what we're seeing with Drew McIntyre is Orton's being used as a tool to get Drew solidified um, and then the other side of the coin is what do you do with McIntyre you know if we're, if we're looking forward to predictions here kind of give us yeah. who's Who's the rightful number one contender if Drew McIntyre does retain tomorrow night on Hell in the Cell who do you got next you know, I would have said Braun Strowman mm -hmm. got drafted to Raw. As far as big heels, you know, he makes the most sense. But ever since SummerSlam, or I guess Payback, uh, after the triple threat, Braun Strowman's booking has just been weird. They, he was on Raw Underground for a couple of weeks while still being part of the SmackDown roster. And... He's just been all over, but he went from being the universal champion to, like, doing all different stuff. I mean, he did have the universal championship match on the premiere of SmackDown last week, which was a big deal. He didn't obviously win, but he did have a good match with Roman, um, rekindling their big rivalry for, for one night. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. I, I, who else is a hot heel? I mean, you could say Bray Wyatt, but he's not. they're pushing him to be a baby face now. Right. It seems would, like he's going to be doing something with retribution. I'll tell you, I'll tell you my guy, I'm going with AJ Styles as next in line. Oh yeah. I could see that. I like that too. I think AJ and Drew McIntyre, I, I mean, I'm sure at some point they may have faced each other, but to my knowledge, I don't recall a match with them. Yeah. Me either. Um, I, I think uh, with AJ's new bodyguard, that massive yeah. human being, and I don't even honestly know his name. I know they mentioned it on Raw, but I have no idea what you call him. I don't either. I, I am glad that they are doing something with him because now that Raw Underground has been seemingly canceled, uh, I'm glad they're doing something with him and, and that he's not a ninja, so that's good. <laughs> well, nevertheless, the match should be very good tomorrow night. Definitely Randy yes. versus uh, Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. So let's move on now to the final match of the night, which uh, could be the biggest, most anticipated match of the night as far as storyline sense is concerned. And that's sure. an I quit, first time ever, an I quit Hell in a Cell match yeah. between uh, for the Universal Championship between Roman Reigns, who's the Universal Champion, of course, against his cousin Jey Uso. So 
before we even get to it, and I, and I asked Nick this, and I'm sure you heard this on the show, but if I told you, Fred, in May, this past May, that Roman Reigns would be taking on his cousin Jey Uso for the Universal Championship, I believe you would agree with me that it would be a snooze fest and nobody would give mm-hmm. a damn. But boy, oh boy, have they proved a lot of those naysayers wrong. People said that in September when the match was booked for Clash of Champions, let alone May. People thought that in September. So, yeah, for sure. It's yeah. crazy things work out. You just yeah. never know. You never know for sure. It's been a hell of a ride. It's been, honestly, to me, the best feud on television, the best angle on television, I should say. It's more of an angle than a feud because uh, mm-hmm. I, I would consider Bailey and Sasha more of a feud. Yeah, the best angle on television, but... You know, I'm assuming we're both going with Roman Reigns here, but give us your prediction. But more so, more importantly, what have you been thinking of this feud so far? Uh, Well, first of all, my prediction, the big dog all the way, for sure. Um, And as far as the feud, my God, it's been amazing. Every week has been great. When when Jey Uso won that fatal four-way to go to Clash, I I wasn't mad. A lot of people were upset. Like, are you kidding me? He's not. But... Um, I, I saw the purpose in it and to get Roman over, you know, and really get heat on him. And it was expected to, to just be the one-off at Clash. And it, apparently it was supposed to be that. And then it got over so well that they moved it on to Hell in a Cell. In Hell in a Cell. I mean, that speaks volumes how huge that was getting over when you were supposed to end it at clash and now you're in hell in a cell a month later. So, uh, I mean, what I'm impressed with most in this whole feud, obviously Roman's doing great. The package with him and Heyman is tremendous. I love how Heyman, he's not as uh, uh, prominent as he is with Brock, which is important because Roman can cut a promo. Roman is a strong enough character that he, he doesn't need Heyman to say all his, his words, but he, it's just enough where you get the point that he's with Heyman, you know. But anyway, as great as Roman has been, I have been very impressed with Jey Uso and his um, ability in this feud because I mean, the Usos always cut great promos, you know, and, um, you know, down since day one, it, all that stuff they've done. But it's different when you're all of a sudden by yourself, obviously before this, this week's uh, SmackDown, but... When you're out of all of a sudden you've been in a, in a tag team for years with your twin brother, now you're getting thrown literally to the walls out there by yourself. He has not looked like he didn't belong in this whole feud, in my opinion. Once people got over the fact that like they didn't think he belonged, and he's proven himself every week um, to the point that you you really started to believe. You know, holy shit, Jay Uso may actually win this one. You know. Uh, I don't think he will, but I mean, you get points where you're like, Jay could get this. Right. See, the last couple of weeks, he's really turned up the volume. So as far as the aggression, um, yeah, I mean, I think we said Sasha and Bailey, they've been great the whole uh, past, you know, year, especially the PC era. But as far as like currently the last month or two, nothing's been hotter than the Roman and uh, Jay Uso feud for sure. Yeah, in, in my opinion, the, the Roman Uso storyline has been the hottest angle in wrestling and professional wrestling right now. It's, it's the most exciting thing to me. I look forward to it every Friday night. Even if I'm not able to watch it live, I make sure wherever the hell I am when I get home or that morning, Saturday morning, I watch it immediately because I'm, I'm curious to see what goes on. Uh, 
I think it's interesting the point you made that a month ago, nobody would have said Jey Uso has a chance. And, and my official pick is Roman Reigns. I think, of course, he's going to win. But mm-hmm. there's just enough doubt to say, what if? What if Jey Uso shocked the world? And the only reason I'm going to say not is because it's the Thunderdome instead of the live actual crowd. And a live actual crowd, yeah. maybe I would have said Uso could get the victory here. But either way, more so than it's not about who wins this match, right? I know 99.9% of us wrestling fans are saying Roman's going to definitely win, but I'm curious to see what the aftermath of that match looks like, right? Mm-hmm. How do you establish an I quit match inside Hell in the Cell? I truly believe this is the match where they go on top of the cage. Maybe Roman dangles Jay Uso on over the cage, choking him, saying, either you say I quit or I'm chucking your ass onto that announce table. I mean, what – more sympathy can you have for a guy than that, right, than Jey Uso, than to have him being choked out, leaning over the cage, and Roman being a sadistic son of a bitch, saying, I'm going to throw your ass over if you don't yeah. have it right now, right? That would be great. That would be really well done. It would be. It would be. The drama, yeah. imagine, you were, you were at my house, actually, for Clash of Champions with a few other buddies, and we were so right. invested in while that match was happening because just – you okay. felt the sympathy, right? You got emotionally invested in the match in the sense that you're like, damn, he's kicking the hell out of Jey Uso, right? Jey Uso had that strong comeback. He nearly won with that top splash that he did, right? It was a two and a mm-hmm. half count. But then Roma takes over, spears him. And instead of going for the W, going for the pinfall, he says, no, 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 not yet, right? And then he takes yeah. the chair and he beats him senseless to the point where his brother comes out and says, call me the tribal chief. And at first his brother's like, no, just, I'm going to throw in the towel. I'm going to throw in the towel. And Jay's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Roman's destroying him, right? Then he's punching him, knocking him out. Finally for Jimmy to throw in the towel and say, all right, you're the tribal chief. You're the tribal chief. What I love about this story, in addition to that, is last night on SmackDown, the consequences that Roman gave Uso, right? Gave his yeah. He said to him, he said, not only – if I defeat you, are you going to call me the tribal chief? But if you don't call me the tribal chief, if you don't recognize me as a leader of this family, of this tribe, you and your entire family will be excommunicated from the family, right? I mean, this is godfather status, Samoan godfather status. I I loved it. I thought that was so well done. Yeah, I mean, you talk about stakes. That's, you know, there's a lot of pride there. We're talking about, you know, real life now. I thought, yeah, I thought everybody was wondering what the consequences are going to be. You know what? I I just thought it's simple, but it's perfect. That's what I love. I I love that it's simple. I love the fact that it's not not overinflated. They're not talking about, you know, oh, you get kicked off of SmackDown, you move to Raw. Like, no one's over. You're going to be my lackey for the month, you know, shit like that. You know, it. no, this is real. This we're talking family. We're talking blood. it's just that's why I think this feud has resonated so well is that it is real, you know. It is, you know. Yeah, it's a storyline, but I mean, there's real factors to it. That's when wrestling's at its best is when always it's a real element, I, right? You know, yeah. Like I've always loved, you know, feuds where guys really, you know, you knew they had heat with each other. Yeah. It just always made it more exciting because you, you know, you knew that they didn't really care for each other. Um, and this, not that they don't really care for each other, but there's truth to the fact that they've brought up that Roman is the main guy. That Jey Uso doesn't belong there. That's not his role. You know what I'm saying? Um, so there's, I mean, there's real life things going on.
But I want to go back to a point you had mentioned uh, about Jay possibly winning if there was a live crowd. And that's one thing I will say, not even with just Jay winning, but this feud, as good as this feud has been, and it's been tremendous, can you imagine how hot this would be with a crowd there every week? The heat that Roman would get when he does things to Jey Uso, like especially at Clash of Champions. You know, I mean, the thing though, at the, at the same token, we may not have gotten all that verbiage if it was a normal setting, right? Because we've obviously been seeing more talk during matches, um, especially when they were in the PC, but still. But like that made that match, that verbiage at Clash. We may not have gotten that with a live crowd, but other things they've done, like the heat that would have been there, I mean, there's nothing you could do about it, but as good as this feud has been, can you imagine with a crowd the passion that there would have been there? I mean, uh, I think it could have been feud of the year. For sure. I think it's still, honestly, I think it still could be feud of the year, personally. I would agree with that. I think this and Edge and Orton are the two, um, two feuds of the year. And who would have thought that, you know, that uh, Jimmy, or Jay, I'm sorry, Jay Uso and Roman would be a top feud. But it's going wanna... to be great. It's, I think they're going to, I think we're going to see more out of Jay than we expected. You know, I don't think it's going to be as much of a uh, beatdown. As it was at Clash, I think Jay's going to give more, and there's going to be times where you really think, like, oh, my God, Roman is going to lose. Uh, I don't think he will, but, you know, yeah, I, I think they're going to have a great one. I, I'm sure Jimmy will get involved somehow, and that's why I, when I went back to the Bailey and Sasha about them going on the outside, I can see this one being more prone to going outside because I could see Jimmy getting involved somehow. Somehow he gets in the cage, the door opens, he gets involved, and something happens. And then, I your point of him dangling from the cage, that would be that would be an amazing finish. He hasn't I mean if they could do that where it's safe. Yeah. And, you know, um which I'm sure they could figure out a way and he threatens to like drop him if he doesn't quit. I mean, that's a beautiful finish. Shit, now I hope that happens. I wish you didn't say that because now <laughs> that's not the finish. <laughs> so, so looking forward ahead here, right? We'll do uh, we'll do the booking like we did for uh, the Dynamite uh, picture side of the thing of things. Where does Roman go from here? Who who do you think is worthy next? Because I believe this will be the blow off. I believe I my prediction too. is that the Usos, of course, will fall in line. They'll be I don't want to say his lackeys, but they'll be part of the family with Paul Heyman. It's kind of as the confidant there. So, if, if you're the Booker here. Who's the next in line on the SmackDown side for the Universal Championship as we get closer to WrestleMania? Because we know right. culminating to Rock and Roman. So who do you have next in that middle? Well, here's the funny thing. I, I would have said a face uh, Fiend versus Roman, but that's obviously not happening now because the Fiend got drafted to Raw. Uh, so I was surprised that they did that because I expected that because that was a rumor going into Mania and then they changed it and then it was going to, happened later on and they you know they had Roman come out and spear Bray Wyatt at SummerSlam so I thought uh we would have definitely seen that so I was shocked you know I don't think this is gonna be the next in line but this is who I would love but I think based on last night we're obviously going in a different direction but him and Daniel Bryan mm. they had that match at Fastlane a few years ago for the opportunity for uh Bryan to go to the uh, main event of WrestleMania, the year after Yes, you know Yes, Mania and all that. Right. Uh, it was 2015. The following year, Rome, uh, Daniel had been out for a while, and in Philly, everybody was pissed when Roman won the Rumble. 
and they had the match at Fastlane. And that was face versus face, and it was great. But can you imagine now an underdog Daniel Bryan face versus a heel, vicious Roman Reigns? I mean, that's got money written all over it. I hope we do see that down the line. That's something I want to see. What I do think will be next, you know, it's hard to say. I'm trying to think who um, who could be the next big feud. I mean, I don't see it happening, but I think another thing, uh, you know, you do him and Rey Mysterio. Anybody, any Roman with an underdog and him being the big dog, no pun intended, is just great storytelling. It's almost, you know, Ray versus Brock, like that kind of thing. I could see them doing something like that. I'm going to go in a different direction. What about okay. Roman versus Big E? Throwing Big E into the title picture. I, you know, I definitely think that Big E will be in a title, the title picture. Um, eventually. That could be the next one. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. So, again, my personal opinion here. Big E, they're trying to solidify, of course, as a singles competitor, right? As a top right. superstar. So if you do a feud from, let's say, November to Royal Rumble, right? The next two months, mm-hmm. Big E can look strong in defeat. I mean, he's the type of guy where you could say, you know what? Roman's toughest challenger to date, size-wise. He's a big, right. strong competitor. Again, if you do the booking right, Big E can look good in defeat. He could take a loss. He yeah. can take a loss if it's a competitive match. And especially if they do some shenanigans where the Usos fall in line and they help Roman cheat to win, right? If they start right. moving down that storyline and Roman pretty much says, my family will do anything for me to retain this belt. I could see that happening. And that's where I truly believe is going next. I, yeah, you know what? I could see that. Um, it was interesting. Big E wasn't on SmackDown last night. I was, I was surprised. I think maybe they're waiting until after Hell in a Cell, let these feuds finish up and then maybe... Um, Maybe that will be what happens. So, yeah, I, I could see Big E for sure getting it. Another person that I think would be great, because they had a feud a few years ago as well, but, again, now the tides have turned, face and heel, uh, Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. Right. Yeah. would be another great storyline that they could do, which I'm going to throw, throw it off the, the rails here for a second. I just want to get your opinion. Last night they, they teased a Kevin Owens-Daniel uh, Bryan tag team, which surprised me. Not in the sense that like it doesn't make sense, but just like oh, I didn't see that coming. Do you think that that will become a an actual thing, or that was just a for last night? You know, they did the six man tag or whatever, whatever it was, the eight man tag. Um, I could I could see them doing I it. See them being a good tag team. Yeah, I, the reason I think it's like more likely than not is because there's just so much talent on Raw and yeah. SmackDown. You're trying to find right. You're trying to find angles for pretty much all of your top stars to be in and. As we've seen through the pandemic here, it's tough for everyone to get their time in, right? I mean, we have right. we have Hell in the Cell tomorrow without AJ Styles on the card, without Seth Rollins on the card, yeah, without KO Daniel Bryan on the card. So that's true, yeah. right? I mean, it, to me, it would make there's a lot of guys. Better. Yeah, there's there's just so much talent right now. It's impossible to get everyone on every single pay per view. Uh, right. If you want to do something with KO and Daniel Bryan, which you know, let's be quite honest, they're not doing anything right now. I, yeah, they could definitely have a tag team run, and it could be a lot of fun. I could see that happening. Yeah, like something short term, you know, just for a little while to, for the, to them to do, both do something. I I laughed during that when uh, Kevin Owens said, "I got the team name, Team Hell KO." And you know, at first, I'm like, "Yeah, that's good." And then, but then Brian made a great point. 
I wonder if that was in the script or not, because he's like, well, that would mean you're teaming with Kane, because Kane was the help part. And then Kevin's like, it, it doesn't matter. We can figure that. I thought that was great, because I, I feel like that was unscripted, that, that part. I don't know. It was good, though. I like the way. I like that, because he's right. Daniel Bryan's right, you know. But anyway, I just was curious about your opinion on that, because I, I love both guys, Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens, and both aren't doing anything right now, really. I mean, Daniel Bryan may be going for the Intercontinental title. It seems him and Zayn may pick up their feud from Mania, which I think is great, too. So we'll see. There are a lot of options, for sure. Yeah, so uh, that's our predictions as we wind down here. Uh, it looks like just to make sure for those of you keeping at home. So the first two matches we picked opposite, but then the three Hell in the Cell matches, we have the same winners here. So it's an exciting yeah. show to see. I'm excited for it. I know I'm sure Fred is as well, too. Fred, as we oh, wind yeah. down the show here, just want to ask, of course, with Hell in the Cell tradition being a, you know, a match, what, 23 years in the making, Give us your yeah. favorite and least favorite, we'll call it favorite and worst Hell in a Cell matches of all time. Okay. Um, God, there's been so many great Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, of course, you know, everybody will say Undertaker and Mankind, you know. I mean, that moment is probably the greatest moment in all of WWE history, Mankind getting thrown off. I mean, that's just iconic. The first one, Sean and Taker. I mean, they set the blueprint, literally. It's tremendous. But personally for me, uh, from a personal standpoint, the end of an era from WrestleMania 28 is my favorite. I mean, the fact that I was there also made it even more special. Uh, but just the story that they told. I mean, we talked before about Hell in a Cell being the culmination of a rivalry. Well, this, this brought that to a whole nother level. We're talking four years worth of culmination, four years worth of WrestleMania main events. I mean, not necessarily last match, but just the biggest matches on each card, four years in a row to culminate in that. I mean, that shot of Taker, Triple H, and Sean on the ramp, that was unplanned. Everybody has gone off the record saying that that wasn't planned. Um, I remember being there in the stands and literally, like, damn near with a tear in my eye thinking like, wow, I think that that, I at least thought at that time that was Taker's last match. I, I didn't think Triple H yet. I thought he still had more to go. But I really felt that that was Taker's last one. He was 20-0, which I wish they didn't end a damn streak, but that's another story for another show. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, I mean, that storytelling, the match, I mean, Sean being torn to call the match or not, like when, when each guy would kick out, he would get upset. And then there's that one, when you go into the switching music into the pedigree, I mean, you thought it was over and that kick out, I got, I got goosebumps just thinking about that. I mean, it's, a, it was, uh, I could watch that match every day, but anyway, that's my favorite. Um, there's been so many great ones though, over, over, especially in the early years, you know, I think back to triple H and cactus Jack, that's a great one. Um, so now my least favorite, Boy, that's an easy one. I'm going to take you back to September of 1999 at a little thing called Kennel from Hell, <laughs> where it was Al Snow and Big Boss Man culminating their amazing feud after Al Snow had his dog Pepper cooked up by Big Boss Man, and they had dogs surrounding the ring, and they were supposed to be vicious Rottweilers, and all they did was just stand around and shit all over the place. I mean, you talk about an epic fail. Boy, oh boy, that was, that got over like a fart in church. It was not good. It was not good. And there's been a lot 
of uh, great Hell in a Cell matches, Ant one ain't one of them. So I'm going to give the nod to Big Bossman and Al Snow. Nothing against either performer, but that just wasn't their night. I'm going to go, uh, and, and I'm sure you know this, but I agree with you on the greatest. Hell, my favorite Hell in a Cell match of all time is also End of an Error, uh, partly because I was there, the story right. behind it. I mean, I won't say the exact same things you just did, but I'll add a few points to it. Yeah, There was no, and I was sitting next to our, our friend, uh, Fred and I, mutual friend, uh, Jersino. I was sitting next to him, and when Shawn Michaels hit that super kick, sweet chin music into a pedigree, I grabbed him by the shirt, and I said, Oh my God, the streak is dead. And yeah. that one, two, two and three quarter count that Shawn Michaels did to just go like this, right? And if those of you watching yeah. the video could see my face, Shawn Michaels was mortified. Like, what did I just do, right? I mean, the emotions in that match. I was so emotionally invested in that match. I couldn't believe that Triple H, and for those of you that have followed the show, of course, no, Triple H is my favorite wrestler of all time. I couldn't believe he didn't end the streak on that <laughs> night, culminating four years to get retribution, no pun intended, yeah. for Shawn Michaels, right? For his best friend being retired by that very same man. I couldn't believe that he didn't end the streak. But boy, oh boy, even in defeat with my favorite wrestler losing that night, to me, I could watch that Hell in the Cell match, like you said, every single day. I probably watched it eight, nine, ten times at least from start to finish. Every yeah. single moment from when the cell structure came down, right, uh, to the match itself, of course, to that final shot of the three men, right, holding each other mm -hmm. on that rampway. Like you said, unplanned, a shot in time that we'll never forget. One of the most iconic memories and moments in WWE history. Um, so, I mean, I could go on, but that's my favorite. As far as my least yeah. favorite, I'm going to go a little bit different than you. Uh, I also know Big Boss Man, yeah, terrible match. But to me, and probably just as bad, but I'd give it a notch, I think Big Boss Man Undertaker, WrestleMania 15, is my least favorite, my worst ever Hell in the Cell match of all time. Uh, the ending was cool. It may have been a little gruesome for some, especially given – uh, in today's world, right? Little today's world, that wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen in today's world, but, you know, Undertaker holding, hanging Big Boss Man by the neck with that noose there. The match itself was not good at all. Uh, you know, don't obviously no disrespect to The Undertaker, one of the best performers of all time. Big Boss Man, great performer as well, but their chemistry there just wasn't there that night for whatever reason. Um, I would give it the nod as the worst Hell in a Cell because it was on that main stage. It was on WrestleMania versus a, a no-name pay-per-view, right, for, for uh, Al Snow and Big Boss Man, their kennel from hell match. But yeah. to me, I would say Boss Man, Undertaker, worst Hell in a Cell match of all time. Yeah. You know what? I can't go against it. That was not a good one either. I mean, poor Big Boss Man. I mean, <laughs> both of them. And in the same year, too. Jeez. Uh, 99 was not a good year for Boss Man in the Cell. Um, yeah, that one, was, that one was rough. I remember one, somebody had a handcuff on like on the cage and then like the handcuff like just broke it was just it was a cluster but um i guess the coolest part was the brood coming down from the top right that was cool yeah edge and christian's first appearance at wrestlemania you know um yeah that i mean the the end of it again maybe a little too much especially today yeah at the time i remember like oh my god and to this day i still don't know how they did that yeah i don't know either news on him and like didn't literally kill him i I don't know, but it is weird now watching that. It's, I mean, it's just weird in general. But when Bossman passed away, yeah, 
it makes it really weird now, you know. Um, Maybe tasteless looking. You back. never see that replayed in in any highlight videos. Um, so yeah, that, I'll, I'll I'll go with you on that one too. That was not uh, that was not a good night for them. <laughs> Well, sir, this has been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the pay-per-view tomorrow, and I know you are as well, too. So uh, we appreciate you jumping on and filling in for Nick this week. Uh, Fred, how can the viewers find Pleasure. you if you want to follow you on social media? I'm on uh, Facebook, Fred Decourt, D-E-C-O-R-T-E. And then on Instagram, uh, Freddy underscore D. And I don't know what my Twitter handle is. That's bad. I should. I should I'm going to have to look that up. So... If you follow me, I, all I post pretty much is wrestling stuff. So give it a, give it an old follow. You'll yeah. find it. <laughs> And as always, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Miguel, for having me on. It was my pleasure to be here today and uh, hope I didn't bore anybody. No, nah, man, you were fantastic. And as always, guys, feel free, you know, of course, follow us on True Exact Radio. We appreciate the platform that we're able to do this show every week for you, Mark's side of the ring. Uh, until next week, folks, it's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll see you next week for the aftermath of Hell in the South. Thanks, guys.